Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. Usually, I have a little bit to say at the beginning, but tonight, let's just dive right into it. Let's throw another log on the fire, campers. Let's dig up a new mystery. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with us, as always, is our award-winning journalist who spent 30 plus years telling these kinds of stories with the Akron Beacon Journal, Paula Schleiss. Hi everybody. It's normal, of course, to want to see someone pay the price for a horrific act. We all want justice and we appreciate it when that justice is fast. But we also want the justice system to work because if the wrong guy goes to jail, then really, you've just got another victim in need of justice. The Ohio Innocence Project is convinced that a man on death row is a victim, not a killer. His name is Tyrone Noling. In 1990, Bernhardt and Cora Hardig were killed during a robbery at their home in Portage County's Atwater Township. It took years, but eventually four young men, three of them teenagers at the time of the murders and all under suspicion for multiple burglaries at the time, were arrested and charged. The youngest was given immunity for his testimony. One was convicted of a lesser charge. One received a life sentence. The fourth one, Tyrone Noling, was put on death row. But 33 years later, questions remain in a case that has been very messy from the start, and the case against Tyrone has collapsed. The three men whose confessions put their buddy on death row in the first place all recanted, saying they were pressured into naming him, that he not only didn't pull the trigger, but he wasn't even there, that none of them were there and a highly respected expert in wrongful convictions who studied the record, advised that the confessions were indeed coerced. Court appeals have revealed the county prosecutor hid evidence from defense attorneys. Last year, it took a court ruling to mandate that the defense could access some DNA evidence that the state refused to share. 
and the defendant's attorneys have named two other suspects that they say appear to have been overlooked in the rush to get Noling to an executioner. For years, several newspapers have called for Noling to be released, saying by today's standard for evidence, he wouldn't even have been arrested, let alone tried. So let's go back to April 7, 1990, the last day of Bernhardt and Cora Hardig's life. They were 81 years old. I don't know about you, but for me, the deaths of elderly people are so heartbreaking. The idea that you could live for eight decades, survive all the trials and tribulations of a full life, and have it end in such a painful, frightening, and meaningless way. Much of this episode will be about Tyrone Noling, but we can't let the heartaches be forgotten. Bernhardt and Cora were both natives of Maryland, who had moved to Ohio when they were still a young couple. Bernhardt was a retired meat cutter from an Akronaria grocery chain, and upon his retirement, they moved from the hustle and bustle of the Akron suburb of Copley to the peaceful rural setting of Atwater in southern Portage County. They picked out a small white ranch house on Moff Road. They told neighbors they wanted to spend their golden years out in the country. They had no children. Neighbors said they were plenty friendly and took great pride in keeping up their house and yard. Bernhardt was always the first one to mow his yard in the spring. He was pretty spry for his age. A week earlier, neighbors saw him climb a ladder to clean out the gutters. And he liked to walk in all kinds of weather. The couple had talked about their love for picking berries and making jam. And they kept a nice vegetable garden in the backyard. One neighbor said the Hardigs were like grandparents to her children. Her kids, a 14-year-old boy and a 12-year-old girl, used to go over and play cards with them all the time. And Cora always sent them home with cookies at Christmas time. Moff Road seemed to offer all the peace and quiet of the countryside that the Hartigs had sought, until it didn't. On Saturday, April the 7th, a neighbor was getting a bit worried about the elderly couple down the road. The houses on Moff were several hundred feet apart from each other, but the neighbor couldn't help but notice that Bernhardt's riding lawnmower had been sitting outside for a couple of days with the garage door open. So, about 6 p.m. that Saturday, he went over and rang the doorbell. When nobody answered, he called the sheriff's office and asked for a wellness check. A deputy entered the home through an unlocked door in the garage and found the couple lying dead on the kitchen floor. They had been shot multiple times in their chests with a 25 caliber handgun. The coroner believed they had probably been killed Thursday, two days earlier. Not surprisingly, the township of 2,800 residents was stunned. Spring was supposed to be about the beginning of life. Local farmers were making plans to plant crops. Children had welcomed the return of days warm enough to play outside again. Suddenly, 
The conversations were about locking doors and buying stun guns. At the Portage County Sheriff's Office, Sheriff Ken Howe and his investigators were stumped. Just a few days after the gruesome discovery, he admitted they had next to nothing. He told reporters, Unless something falls out of the sky or someone turns us on to something, it's not looking good as far as suspects are concerned. Within a month, the case had gone stone cold and disappeared from the headlines. And it remained so for two years until August of 1992. That's when investigators made their first arrest, charging Gary Eugene St. Clair, a 23-year-old alliance man who was already serving a 5- to 25-year prison sentence for robbing another elderly couple. St. Clair came to the attention of police pretty quickly, and when detectives paid him a visit, he was eager to help, even though it incriminated him in other crimes. His alibi was that he couldn't have killed the Hartigs because he participated in two other robberies around the time the Hartigs were assaulted. He named Tyrone Noling, then 17 years old, as his accomplice. When detectives caught up with Noling in 1992, they found him serving a prison sentence for burglary at the Southern Correctional Institution. Now, Noling was no angel. He'd been a suspect in several home invasions in nearby Stark County that happened that same April. He was armed and even pointed weapons at victims. In one home robbery, he accidentally discharged a 25 caliber gun, the same caliber used to kill the Hardigs. Police also said Noling stole a 25 caliber handgun during a robbery in Alliance though they did find that gun, and ballistics showed it was not the weapon used to kill the Hardigs. Investigators never recovered the Hardig murder weapon. Detectives didn't see a reason that St. Clair and Noling couldn't squeeze in another robbery and double homicide in the timeline of their criminal pursuits. And they didn't think St. Clair and Noling were alone. Eventually, they would charge two more men, Joey D'Alessandro and Butch Wolcott. In time, detectives collected from St. Clair, D'Alessandro, and Wolcott statements that not only implicated themselves in the murders, but named Noling as the one who pulled the trigger. There was no physical evidence to tie any of them to the crime, but Circumstantial evidence turned out to be enough. Prosecutors couldn't even really rely on those confessions because the thing is, all three of Noling's buddies ended up recanting their statements. One of them did it in bombshell fashion right on the stand during Noling's trial in 1996. Gary St. Clair, the oldest of the four defendants, who was 26 at the time of the murders, was supposed to testify for the prosecution, but once he was on the stand, he denied that he and Noling had anything to do with it. It didn't matter. Noling was found guilty, 
and a date with an executioner was set. Gary St. Clair was found guilty in a separate trial and given a life sentence. Joey D'Alessandro was convicted of related charges, served 11 years in prison, and was released in 2003. The fourth man, Butch Wolcott, who was 15 at the time of the murder, was given immunity for his confession. Later, it would be revealed that Wolcott couldn't describe the murder scene until an investigator took him there, and the detectives had given him access to the evidence files. Some of the things he confessed to were categorically false. He said Nolan yanked a phone cord from the wall to bind his victims, but the phone cord was intact and the Hardigs were never even bound. After Nolan's capital conviction, D'Alessandra and Wolcott joined St. Clair in saying they had been fed a story by investigators and felt coerced into repeating it in court. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Noling has always been adamant about his innocence. Several execution dates have been set and canceled as his appeals moved through the justice system. The Ohio Innocence Project, an initiative at the University of Cincinnati College of Law, took up Noling's cause. They and Noling's defense have been fighting for years to try and get information that the prosecution has concealed. They've won a couple of court rulings, one that ordered the prosecutor to turn over records they had denied Noling access to, And again in 2018, when the Ohio Supreme Court mandated the state give Noling's team a DNA profile from a cigarette butt found outside the Hardig's home. Over the years, with much handling by multiple investigators, some of the crime scene evidence became contaminated. The Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigation has reported that jewelry boxes and shell casings found at the scene were unfit for DNA testing. And to be fair, DNA testing was in its infancy when the Hardigs were killed, and there really weren't good protocols for handling evidence to preserve it. Here's what the Ohio Innocence Project sees as problems with a case. The gun Noling had did not match the one used in the murder. The robberies Noling had been involved with were committed miles from the Hardig's home and were strikingly different in the nature of that cold-blooded murder of the elderly couple. No fingerprints were found of Noling's or any of the men who were convicted. There were no eyewitnesses placing any of them there. And Noling's defense 
has put forth two other suspects. A witness, Nathan Chesley, told authorities more than once that his foster brother, Daniel E. Wilson, admitted to him one night, while in a drunken haze, that he committed the Hardig murders. Wilson was a 20-year-old Rootstown High School graduate who would have known the area well. A couple of years before the Hardig murders, he was living at a foster home just a mile from the Hardig house. The witness, Chelsea, said Wilson had threatened to harm him if he told anyone. He told anyway. Wilson's first name came up publicly in 1992. That's when St. Clair, the first of the four defendants, was charged. But it was very quickly dismissed, with Portage County Prosecutor David Norris saying, We never thought Wilson was a serious suspect. But you never know until you do all the background work. At any rate, we thought it was time to put the question to rest. The thing is, Daniel Wilson was a killer, both before and after the Hardicks were attacked. He was convicted of involuntary manslaughter in the 1984 death of an 81-year-old Illyria man during an attempted robbery. Then he was convicted of aggravated murder for locking Carol Lutz, a 24-year-old Illyria woman, in her car trunk, then setting it on fire in 1991. Daniel Wilson was executed by lethal injection in 2009. Another potential suspect was Bernhard Hardig's insurance agent, Louis Lehman, Hardig allegedly told his doctor he was angry that Lehman had defaulted on a $10,000 personal loan that the couple had given him and was planning to confront him. Lehman, who at one point had owned a twenty-five caliber handgun, claimed he had sold it to an unknown individual. Lehman died in 1998. So, here we are. For now, Tyrone Noling remains behind the bars he's occupied for nearly three decades. And Portage County authorities are so intent on keeping him there at just about any cost. Just last September, a Portage County judge denied Noling's team access to records that an appeals court had mandated, leading the appeals court to have to restate their ruling. No word if those records have been made available yet, but frankly, as an outsider, I gotta say it's hard to imagine any reason why any file would be kept secret at this point. They'll either help confirm Portage County's contention that Noling was the trigger man, or reveal someone else got away with murder. That's it for tonight, listeners. For photos, news clippings, and more on this and every episode, hop on over to our website, ohiomysteries.com. We are also proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. If you would like to hear more podcasts like ours, check out killerpodcasts.com. Be sure to tune in Wednesday for our 10-minute mysteries, and we will see you next week for another full episode.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.